Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, my name is Bryce Watts, and this is the NF Ladies Podcast. This is a podcast where I talk exclusively to the women in the NFL to learn about how they navigate this life in the league. The players are always the ones in the spotlight, but I want to highlight the women who are the support systems behind the scenes. Let's do it. Welcome back to the NF Ladies Podcast to episode number 13. I am sitting here with the Annie Patrick. Hello, Annie. Hi, how's it going? Great. So tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, who your significant other is, what team you guys are on, and how long you've been in the league. Yeah, so my name's Annie. My husband's name is Lucas Patrick. He is an offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers, and we have been there for six years now, which is pretty crazy. This is his sixth year. Six years. Okay. So you've had a lot of different experiences in the league. I was reading an article that was on the Green Bay Packers website talking about how he came up undrafted practice squad. And now I see that he is on the full roster. So how exciting has that been this past season? Yeah, it's been really exciting. Um, I feel like we have a really unique kind of story and experience in the league. As you mentioned, he came up undrafted, so he played at Duke. Um, Nobody called during the draft, went for a few days after the draft, and the Packers called him for a rookie minicamp tryout. He went up to Green Bay, um, actually didn't make the team um, at that point, got cut came um, back to Portland, which is where we live in the offseason, Portland, Oregon, and was, you know, sort of said like, hey, you know, gave it gave it a good go. And um, it's just not meant to be. It's time to move on with life. And he was in the middle of a job interview, like a nine to five job interview and his phone rang and he saw that it was a Green Bay area code. And um, they called him to come back for another tryout. He was on a plane two hours later, try out the next morning. Um, and we've been there ever since, which I feel like is pretty rare for somebody coming in as an undrafted free agent, starting on the practice squad to stay in the same place for six years is pretty wild. So um, yeah, every day we're just so thankful for the opportunity. And every year we have, uh, you know, gone through cut weekend with, and bated breath. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been quite the experience the last few years. That's wild that you guys were in the process. He was literally in the middle of the process of starting the next part of his life. And just all of a sudden he was like, nope, revert back to football. This is what I'm doing. This is where we're going to be for the next six years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I think everything happens for a reason, you know, um, I don't know, you know, sort of how that happened or or whatnot, but um, yeah, he picked up an unknown number from Green Bay in the middle of a in the middle of an interview. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a wild been a wild ride. I I don't think we ever thought we would still be 
probably in the league at this point and even like with the same team six years later so um yeah every every week is a blessing for sure he's like pause my life is about to change right now so i'm gonna have to cut this interview off <laughs> yeah no seriously i think he he walked out and that was probably a pretty good decision <laughs> that's insane to me. so what what were you thinking during that time i'm sure he called you and was like okay i didn't get this job but i'm gonna go get another job and play football yeah, it was really weird. I mean, we were a few years out of college at this point, and we had one car and I was at the office and I was in like a long day meeting where they like took all of our phones away from us. And like, you know, you're supposed to be focusing on what you're doing. So I actually didn't know what was going on. He called me a bunch of times I wasn't answering. And he, you know, just went back to our apartment at the time and left our car and our keys there and like, just sort of packed his stuff up. And I didn't really know until a few hours later. And I think he was probably at the airport at that time. So um, yeah, it was, it was wild. Just I feel like our life has been sort of on this roller coaster for, for six years now. And that's just sort of the stuff that happens. If not, I've heard so many stories kind of along those lines, if not that exact example, just people moving and families having to move and on the on a, the drop of a hat. So um, it's definitely not unique, I feel like, to our experience. Um, because yeah, this league is is fickle for sure. <laughs> So he just left and was at the airport and then you got back home and you were like, hey, where are you? <laughs> well, luckily I got my phone um, a few hours later. So I like knew before I went home for the day. Um, but yeah, he he was just going for a tryout. So um, he I think he like flew to Chicago. If I remember right, his flight from Chicago to Green Bay got canceled or something. So he like got the last car out of Chicago and got to Green Bay at like two o'clock in the morning. It's only like a four hour drive. And um, yeah, his tryout was at 6 a.m. And he made the, or got the, got the spot and just texted me was like, all right, I'm going to practice now. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's, he's been there uh, kind of ever since first year on the practice squad. And then the last five years on the five years on active. So. So he probably just went there with a duffel bag, right? A small mm -hmm. bag. Cause didn't expect to be there for months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. I think it was like limited number of socks, limited number of like <laughs> shorts and stuff. Uh, I think I, I either got on a plane like a week later and brought him stuff or shipped him stuff. I can't remember. And maybe he like went to Walmart and just bought a bunch of socks and underwear and shorts and stuff. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think that first year he was in a hotel for, for that first couple months. So um, yeah, it's wild. So he goes to Walmart. He's not an underwear flipper. Like some of these people <laughs> that I know. Have you heard of this? They flip yes. it. Yes, I've, I've heard of that. Um, no, I think it, it started a, a process. And I don't know if other guys do this, but the season is so long and so stressful. And they're always on the road and they're always exhausted of like getting into the habit of just like buying new socks instead of washing your socks. I think I got into a little bit of a habit of that. But I mean, when you're in a hotel, like you don't even have um, a... Uh, washer and dryer to do any of that stuff so 
Um, and the shopping options in Green Bay are not uh, not robust. So you're sort of limited to a few places um, when you're there. So I don't even know if he had a car. I don't think he had a car there for a while. So I think he was like Ubering to go get stuff for a few months. So that yeah. gets expensive. I know that the teams will usually hook you up with like a discounted rental car. That's what we've experienced. So I hope he looked into that option. <laughs> Um, I don't know. We haven't really, the first couple of years, we didn't really have that, or at least maybe we didn't ask the right people. I don't know. Um, we didn't have any like rental car situation. Um, we would either drive one of our cars or ship one of our cars. And then, um, recently he, the last few years, um, we worked with, um, a dealer in the greater Green Bay area, Jim Olson, um, and his, his, uh, his dealership has given him a, a car the last few years, but there at the beginning, it was slim pickings. <laughs> I forget about that too, just because so many people are going in and out of Green Bay that when you get down to it, there isn't much around, like you're saying, like, I, I don't even think about it because I've never been there to a game. You just see the fans and they're so excited and you just assume it's like a bustling place to be but not really so yeah I mean I compare it a lot to like a small college town and I think that is what makes Green Bay so special um the fans are so involved in the team um so invested I mean the history of I guess like fandom in Green Bay goes back like generations within families. Like they've had season tickets for generations, um, which is really special because you hear all stories on like, oh, my grandfather used to sit over there or my my aunt and uncle had seats over there and then we got seats here. We remember when, you know, the bowl, it was just the lower bowl and you could uh, bring liquor bottles in and like toss them over the top of the stadium. Yeah. It's like, it's, there's just such a history as part of that team, which, um, was quite different from his college experience that we had at Duke where, um, it's probably more known for the basketball program than the football program. So that like rich history, um, of football and love for football wasn't really, the norm for us at Duke. So then you go to the Packers, which is just like um, this very different organization that's really local. And you've got people's houses across the street from the stadium where like they just walk across the street. Um, It's pretty, it's pretty special. I will say it's pretty special. And game day traffic is nothing to complain about. So. (laughs) Oh yeah. I was going to say, it's probably hard if everybody's going to the field because that's what you do on Sundays, maybe Thursdays or Mondays. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, if you're not a big football fan in Green Bay, I think the day to run errands is on Sunday during a game because like nobody is in the streets. It's just deserted. And then everybody sort of flows out of the flows out of the stadium. But um, yeah, it's, it's a special it's a special time to play in for sure sounds like a great environment from what you're saying and from everything that I've seen. Has it been easy to make connections there? Have people really just brought you in and like let you be a part of that Packers family that has been going on for generations? Like how are the ladies in you like with um, connecting with with them? Because is there a sense of ownership that they have? Because I know they literally own the team. But is there a sense of ownership or like all are welcome who love the Packers? 
Yeah, I think, um, I think in general, like the whole town is really welcoming, um, definitely like a spirit of like ride or die with the Packers. I know like some organizations, like if the team's not doing too well, like the fans are really brutal, like the fans just really love the team um, and support the team, which has been really incredible. I think as part of being part of the team, um, I would say like the group of women has been incredible in many ways, like you're kind of all each other has in such a small town, maybe in bigger towns, people have different friend groups um, just by the nature of being in a big city in Green Bay. Like it's so um, such a small town that you really do become good friends with the people around you. And um, uh, we have an incredible uh, sort of family liaison in Sherry who has um, been incredible and does all sorts of great activities and stuff for the family and um, really is in, has done an incredible job and um, is a great part of the the team. And yeah, I think we'll have lifelong friends through who we've met as part of part of the Packers organization for sure. That's really cool. And I think that's something so special because that this family, you're creating this family within football as well. Like the athlete world is its own little family, I feel like in college and even before that. And this is also so even more specific and more specialized than that, where you do have this close knit group of friends who you can like tell them the ridiculous things or something very specific. Oh, I got made fun of by this guy who thought I didn't know anything about football and was commenting on this. Like really weirdly specific things that are just happening to you it's nice to talk to people when like I would tell my family they'd probably be like what are you talking about this is this isn't relevant to me at all I have no idea what you're talking about yeah yeah for sure there's definitely things that you can lean on them um in in ways that like nobody else can understand for sure yeah and that's I I liked that you said that the fans are big actual fans of the team and the players. I just mentioned on my last podcast episode how I don't think you can call yourself a fan of the team and the players if they do something wrong, like drop a ball and you're throwing hate comments at them. You're not a fan. That's you're. I don't know what that is, but that's not a, being a fan of somebody, good and bad. Yeah, I, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's probably like the people that are like, we drop a pass or miss a block or whatever, like, what are you doing? Like, as if those people could get out there and do the same thing. I think the funny thing with with Green Bay that I know drives the players a little nuts, but I think it's hilarious is that the fans are so passionate about the team. And now, especially this season, like being back in the stadium that like we like to do the wave when we're on offense like the whole stadium, like all decks, like full wave, like multiple times around the stadium. And it's just like, guys, let's save that for defense and let's be quiet on offense. <laughs> so, so I think after, you know, one of our preseason games at home, um, our head coach, Matt was like, in one of his post game press conferences was like, I love the enthusiasm. Don't get me wrong, but I think we're going to need to work on being quiet on offense when we're at home. So um, I always think that's pretty funny. They just get so carried away in the moment. And um, this season, I feel like especially people are kind of bursting at the seams to be back, um, be back in the stadium and to have game days again. 
I forget about that, that they can't even hear the play call sometimes. And I'm like, why are they getting so close? It's because they can't hear anything because the stadium is that loud. And yeah. I'm sure since we're, when it gets really cold there, people are drinking, they have their beer blankets on. So they're getting really excited. I mean, you got to keep the adrenaline up some way. So I yeah. assume it gets, it gets worse because people are used to the weather there. So they're like, ah, it's just another Sunday. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it gets much rowdier when it's like, 15 below zero and people are just uh, yeah a little out of their minds but that's so it's so fun game days there are really are really fun oh I love game days and I love your game day photos that you sent me I'm <laughs> such a sucker like when they come over to the side and you grab their hand I'm like these are pictures you're gonna look at forever because these are pictures yeah. that like you see in high school you know the cheerleader dates a football player and he comes over in the side and holds her hand like but adult version where yeah. like we have jobs and like irrational human beings <laughs> yeah I, I feel like those are some of the few ones I'm like really bad at taking taking pictures there's some most of them are usually taken by other people like in the moment who just snapped them for me there's like one I think that I sent you that was more purposeful um but yeah I'm really bad at at that um in general I just I don't know. I, I try to like live the moment um, as opposed to capture it. But there's some I'm thankful that some people around me are have a little bit of self-awareness to be like, hey, you might want to remember this moment one day. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a delicate balance between wanting to document it and wanting to actually, like you said, be there and live in the moment, which yeah. I'm trying to balance the two also. And it is great when you have people who are like, hey, look at me. I'm going to take a picture. Just, hey, over here. Like, they don't even ask. They just do it and send it. I had somebody like that in the text and I was like, thank you. Yeah. It's just stuff yeah. you don't think about sometimes because exactly. you're so focused on the game. Exactly. Exactly. Or so nervous or whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. The nerves too. The nerves of just like not being able to sit down either and like feeling that nervousness, especially coming up from practice squad and like knowing everything that he went through, like you want everything to go perfect because he's been doing everything right and you just want it to go well because the games are the fun part. Enjoy that because for the rest of the year, you're training, you're training, you know, but yeah, these 18 weeks now are the fun part. Yes, they are the fun part. And I don't think I get I don't know if I get so nervous about like how he's going to play, like, cause I know he's always going to give his hundred percent and he is going to do great out there. I get more nervous with like the injury part of things. I have full confidence and I see the way he prepares. I see him going to bed at eight 30 every night. I see him eating healthy. I see him doing all of the things that it takes to be successful I get more nervous on the injury part of things because as an offensive lineman and being an inside offensive lineman, there's just so much stuff that happens that is out of his control when it comes to those types of things. So that is the part that makes me the most nervous. Um, he had a few bad injuries when he was in college. That was really hard to watch and um, it's more that than, than anything else. Cause I know he's given it 110% and he'll go out there and do his thing. Um, but the injuries are, are scary for sure. It's perfect that you mentioned that because that's actually one of the notes that I wrote down in reading the article and I sent it to Chad. I said, you have to read this. This is like, just like you, where it's not old school lifting anymore, where you're doing cleans and deadlifts and all that stuff. It's about mobility and how to, how to stay in the league and be healthy in the league. And I saw that that's something that he really focuses on mobility and knowing how to move your body because 
you know, you're big. As a lineman, you're big. That's that's your size and that's your weight. So what else are you going to do to make sure that you can actually move and like turn your head as a human being when you're playing the game and even after the game? Because, you know, they're young when they stop. So you got to be able to move for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, he's found an incredible training spot here in Portland uh, called Apex. And um, they've been incredible with him. And he spends, you know, at least an hour every day just starting with rehab and not like rehab of a specific injury, but just like a lot of preventative stuff. He'll do that. And then he'll go and do his workout for several hours. And then he'll, you know, sit in Norma Tux all afternoon or game readies or whatever it is. And, um, you know, I think as he's entered into the league and you really start to understand that this place, this is very much a business and your body is the commodity you have to invest in that. And that's everything from like how you eat to how you recover to, um, you know, everything that you put into your body. And um, I'm not sitting here saying he's like eating avocado ice cream or anything like that. He he is a lineman. So he does enjoy he does enjoy his his uh, his meals and he loves to cook. He's a great cook. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely like just looking for any little difference on how to get stronger, faster, more flexible, um, all of that type of stuff matters. And I think you learn to take it more seriously as you get older and become a professional. Once you're kind of out of college and you're set on like this one regimen that you do what they tell you and you go to class and then you come back and do it the next day. So it's a little bit of a different mentality, I think. And it's, it's that student mentality too. Like because we're learning new things every day, you know, what's good for your body, what's not good for your body, actually keeping it up to date with that stuff, like lactic acid buildup is nothing anymore, I'm hearing. But I think one of my dad said it, and I was like, no, 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 Chad said that's not a thing. And he does research. So, <laughs> but, you know, like re like filling your head with new stuff than what your coach told you when you were younger. So I think I mean, that's super important. because things are changing. Like I'll ask Chad, some like health stuff like what what are these rehab moves that you can tell my parents because his knee is hurting and he'll show them like these weird moves with a band that you would never think of but just being a student of it seems so important so that your body doesn't break down since it is that like pounding every day especially when you got pads on you know they're going full throttle so that's yeah really important is that also a a action figure in the back what is this a figurine in the back Oh my gosh. Yes. This is, <laughs> uh, this is, is a bobblehead. Of him. Uh, no way. This was from a few years ago, their offensive line coach, uh, Campin, he, uh, made them all bobbleheads. So all the, there was, I think there were, they were all just like lined up in their position room. So, um, yeah after that year he he took him home and uh he broke a few times in the drive home so there was a, there's a little bit of super glue action in there but i think it's pretty funny especially in these zoom days it's just sort of like sitting in the back of my zoom calls yeah <laughs> that's awesome your bobblehead buddy i i'm a sucker for a bobblehead i think they're so funny they're hilarious and i have no idea where he got them made but it's like pretty legit like it looks, looks good quite a lot like him yeah. yeah they're not just one of those like same 12 model faces that they use on everybody like they actually went into it yeah yeah they really did <laughs> it's pretty funny <laughs> all right enough with 
the significant other questions. Let's go into all about you. So you said that you're currently in Portland, Oregon for work. So tell us what you do. I'm in Portland right now to spend a little bit of time with my dad. I took a few weeks off work, um, but um, I work for Nike. I work in marketing uh, for Nike. So that's why we're our off season home is here. Um, I had for a long time been going back and forth during the season. Um, obviously, these last two seasons, um, the silver lining of COVID amongst all of the really hard parts of COVID has been that I've been able to work remotely and be in Green Bay with Lucas for the season. So I'm going, um, I'm flying back tomorrow morning. Um, but I've just been here and checking in on our house for a little bit spending some time with my dad. And you just said you worked in the brand section. You didn't say that you're the global brand director, right? I don't think I, <laughs> yeah, I, we have, and Nike, we have really long titles or like full long sentences and it just sounds like a bit crazy, but uh, yeah, my official title is global brand director for women's lifestyle, which for people who don't know, it's like the streetwear side of the business. So a lot of the non-performance um, stuff, um, things like Air Maxes and Air Force Ones and um, hoodies and joggers and sweatsuits and all that type of fun stuff. So um, I, yeah, I work on the marketing team. It's brand strategy work uh, pretty much uh, for that side of the business. She said global people. That means the whole world. She is the <laughs> boss of the whole world. So you basically run the division where everybody is wearing street clothes now. So everybody is a part of this. And it's Nike. You know, everybody wears Nike. Everybody knows Nike, the Nike outlet stores, my favorite. And the streetwear, how, how has that grown, especially the past couple of years or, or the past year with COVID and everything? I would assume it just is booming. Everybody wants to be comfortable, but also look stylish. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the official like class. I was listening to a podcast the other day, like the official classification is like loungewear, quote unquote. Um, no, but yeah, it's been, I mean, Nike is a dream job. I actually grew up here in Portland too. So a lot of my family lives here and growing up in Portland, sort of Nike and being in Oregon, Nike is that sort of kind of omnipresent um, company here. And so it was always a dream job to work for the brand. And, um, I actually started, um, in the tennis division and I played tennis in college. So like straight into my dream job, um, and was there for a few years and then switched over to the streetwear side of stuff. Um, and, uh, it has been an incredible experience just learning the business, um, and the marketing side of things. I feel like I've got like a crash course in, in business school that I haven't had to had to pay for. Um, but it's been an incredible experience. It's so much fun. And there are days where it feels like a job for sure. But um, you kind of have to remind yourself that uh, it's pretty it's pretty fun work and the teams are great. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride. There's so much encompassed in your in your job title that I don't even know what like directed questions to ask. <laughs> Have you always wanted to work for a sports brand? Brand. I mean, you came up playing tennis. You played tennis in college, like you just said. So have you always wanted to stay in the world of athletics and that just led you to Nike? I think in some capacity. I mean, when I was in college, I was a political science major. So for a long time, I thought I wanted to go 
become a human rights lawyer and like save the world um, and was like planning to do that. And then um, I got an internship my junior, the summer after my junior year in college. And it was to come work for Nike as, um, as a Nike school. So Duke is sponsored by Nike. There are um, a certain number of interns, they hire interns from Nike schools. And so I got one of the internships applied. I did like four rounds of interviews for um, this internship and came and randomly got placed in marketing for tennis. Um, and it was like a dream job. I loved every second of it. Like, um, I did a lot of like helping with photo shoots and, um, preparing clothes and steaming clothes. Like it was hard work. And, um, but I would have, done it for free. Honestly, it was so much fun. Um, I learned so much that summer. And then I think after that, I sort of realized that, hey, this could be a place for for me to grow and to be passionate about the work that I was in. Um, and as my cur- my sports career was wrapping up my senior year, I sort of, you, you kind of start to get perspective on what has sport meant for me? How has it helped me develop into the person that I am? How do you pay it forward? Um, all of the blessings that you were given through the sport. Um, and it just sort of led me to wanting to go back to Nike and um, wanting to hopefully inspire people to play sport and all of the great things that come from sport from like health and just being active to like young women growing up playing sport, um, I think is just so important. I mean, a lot of us uh, ladies have gone through like those challenging tween into your teen years and like a lot of insecurities and anxieties that come from just that age. I really think I was able to make it through that time because of sport and because of um, sort of understanding my strength and learning to compete and having sort of something to put time and effort into that wasn't just like, wasn't just school or wasn't just like an appearance or sort of, I think it was a really healthy way to work through that time. And so I started to realize like the power of sport and wanting to continue to be a part of this world in some way. Um, And Nike was kind of the way back to that, I think, um, for me. So you are basically doing what you wanted to do in the beginning is help people change the world through sport. Because when you, like you said, when you do reevaluate it, that, that is what it's given you. But growing up playing it, you kind of just, that's what you do. You're an athlete, you play the sport, but looking back, okay, what is it actually giving me? It's giving me confidence, health, for the most part, I'm hoping health, you know, with most people, just because you look thin doesn't mean that you're healthy. Did you guys actually do it? Did Nike do that segment where there were college women athletes talking about insecurities and stuff like that? Was that Nike? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of like research that's being done now and a lot of brands that are talking about like, 
insecurity and like, you know, what being active can do for just like your hormones and giving you sort of like those endorphins, whether it's like going and training for a marathon doesn't have to be that it can also be going for a hike and getting outdoors and getting away from your phone. Um, It can be about skateboarding as well, which uh, we saw just debut um, in the Olympics. Like I think there's so many different ways that you can be active. That doesn't mean like you have to become, you know, the next Serena Williams or the next Alex Morgan um, to sort of reap the benefits from, from sports. So I think there's a huge movement around like, women's sport and trying to invest in um, role models for young girls that are um, really like healthy, uh, positive influences um, that I think even 10, 15 years ago was much less than I think it is today for young girls. And um, yeah, it's been fun to be a part of. Nike is one of those companies that seems like, especially you talking about it, you're not just talking about what you do at work, what the job entails, you're talking about the people behind it, the people who are buying Nike, the people who believe in Nike, the the campaigns that Nike puts on. And it's just feels even more like it's a lifestyle. It's not just a company. It's not just a brand. It's the way that you feel. It's what what makes you feel good, what motivates you, what makes you want to help other people just as a person, it's, I, it feels like a mentality and there's, I, I, I would imagine that you don't have people who come into work who are, okay, I'm just going to do this job and then I'm going to go back home and I'm going to sit on the couch and wear my Pumas and just not even think about Nike. Yeah, I think it definitely is something you buy into. I think people are really passionate about the brand. Um, I, and everybody has like a different experience with it. Like a lot of times somebody can tell you like, what is the either like the first pair of Nike shoes that you bought that made you feel faster than your friends in gym class to what was the campaign that sort of made you feel some sort of way um, that was a Nike campaign. I think there's a lot of people that kind of identify with different parts of the brand or like certain athletes that they met um, that sort of connect you to the brand. And people are really passionate. And I think that's what makes work that much more fun. I think, I mean, I know this is true for Lucas too. Like when he goes out onto the field, yes, it's a job and yes, it's sort of his livelihood, but he really loves being out there with his teammates. He loves the process. He loves the work. Like it's the same thing for me. I love my teammates and being around like the people that I get to work with and you believe in the product that you're trying um, to sell. Um, It is a job and it's not all daisies and and sunshine, but I think when you are passionate about the work that you do, it becomes fun. Your work becomes fun. It's not like um, it doesn't feel as much like a job. And talking about campaigns and these different things with women, empowering women lately and young girls, it's making me think when I see certain really big brands put out a commercial with just with their product. And I'm like, do you think we don't know what Nike is? Like, we all know what Nike is. Like, you're very relevant. But thinking, and and you're probably behind all of this stuff, is, is it just you trying to 
not rebrand in a way where you want to completely 180 where you came from, but just be more inclusive, include more people and kind of tell more of a story. Let other people take the narrative sometimes instead of just being a brand and things that you wear to let people feel like Nike is who they can be. Nike is the confidence. Nike is sport. Nike is health. All of that stuff. So is that the motivation behind? Because we, we don't need to be told to buy Nike. We're going to buy it anyway. So is that what these campaigns and commercials are all about? Yeah, I think it's about continuing to evolve over time. I think Nike started as a running shoe company. And, you know, there's all sorts of incredible stories um, of running shoes being made in waffle irons that has and the brand has moved on from that as it's grown and as times have changed. And I think um, you want to continue to make sure that your brand is reflective of the world that we live in. And that's from making sure you are um, representing a diverse set of men and women. Um, and I think over the last uh, couple of years, we've really started to focus on her and how we serve her. And um, a lot of what we do just starts from like solving a need. Um, and so learning about the female body, learning about the female experience from a young child all the way through, um, you know, through menopause as like women get older, I think there's a whole experience that you want to try to make sure that you can um, help her be active through all those different points in her life, because there's a lot of change that happens um, during that. So um, yeah, with time, things evolve and you want it to be about more than just like a transaction about more than just like swiping a card and buying something, but it's about how it makes you feel and what you can do in it. It's a lot of like marketing speak, but, you know, trying to unlock somebody's human potential and what they can do within this world. Um, whether that's on a court or whether that's off a court too. That's awesome. And I was going to tell you this in the beginning, you are what young Bryce, college Bryce and current Bryce wanted to be working <laughs> for an athletic company, working in the business world, wanted to get into business house, couldn't because I'm terrible at math. I went to Berkeley, but <laughs> going into like sports and marketing and all the saying stuff through the through the ad and just encompassing the full person and not just selling a product. Everything that you've said I love and just resonates with me and I hope that I can do something like that after this. Absolutely. Because current Bryce is a, a traveling girlfriend. So we'll we'll transition from that after the league. You know, it's short lived, but wanted to be present for all this stuff. But that's something that I am also very interested and passionate about and from a, a position where I came from production. And you said you were steaming clothes, taking or being at the photo shoots. There is a lot more work that goes into that stuff than people know. Like, have you mm -hmm. ever steamed multiple clothing sets? It takes a really long time and you can't iron it because it's going to burn it and have certain creases. So it's like all these little things that people don't know about that if you're on a set, you appreciate everything you're watching. Like sometimes I'll watch something and be like, that took forever to make. I'm not enjoying this because I'm stressed out because of all the work that went into this, like, it, it's insane. Yeah, well, I will say, like, you can always do what you want to do. And I think especially in this time post COVID, like, there are so many companies that are starting 
to have online positions too that make it more flexible for people like us who have a little bit of an unorthodox like lifestyle on where they're at. Um, and you know, being part of sports and marketing doesn't just have to be a part like of a retailer like Nike or Adidas or Puma or Under Armour or something like that. There's also like creative agencies. So like, you know, if there's anybody listening who really loves production or comes from like a digital design background or anything like that, there are so many opportunities on the agency side, on the league side, um, on like athlete sides too, where like there are athletes now that are trying to build their own personal brand because of social media and all of the outlets that we now have that athletes are using their voices in much different ways that don't necessarily have to just be through a brand um, or a sponsor or something like that, that they're doing um, in their own way. And they're looking for help in a lot of these different types of sort of storytelling fields. So um, I would say, you know, I don't think you have to necessarily do one or the other. There are ways to do Things. I mean, you've got this incredible podcast where you're sort of helping women share their stories and giving them voices where maybe there haven't really been um, platforms to do that in the past. So I think I would just say in this time when sometimes it feels really limiting to be um, on this roller coaster that is the NFL life, there are so many options to sort of continue to be creative um, and help empower uh, different people through what your different skill sets are. So I would just encourage people, like, if you have something that you want to do, like you can do it. There are ways to make it happen. And that's why I was so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, the fact that you, you were saying, oh, our, our story isn't the traditional NFL story. I was like, perfect. I want to hear all about that because usually it's, let's say Lucas Patrick and his wife, uh, Bryce or Chad Hansen and his girlfriend. So it's like, you never get to hear that, but you are doing an amazing thing for the biggest company and you have an amazing job that you're so passionate about, but something that people, if you're in the league, they don't ask you that first. They'll ask you like, how's Green Bay? How's the team? Like, is it super cold? Like, hello, global brand manager, like director over here. Ask about that. That's also interesting. But just being able to actually round out a person also and what they want to share what they have to tell you is something I think is really important that people need to do or try to do more often, especially in the league. So that's what I was hoping to get out here. And I was like, all right, Annie's going to be perfect. I'm going to ask her all this business stuff and she's going to let me know what's up. Yeah, I think it's like, it's an interesting world when people sometimes give me a hard time, whether it's like at work and they're, they'll like work with me for a little bit and they'll be like, well, I didn't know your husband played in the NFL. And it's like, well, you don't walk into a room and tell me like what your wife does for work or like what your husband does for work. Like you get to know me and over time, like that comes out. I, it's the same, like on the NFL side of things, like I don't walk into a room and be like, this is what I do for work. Like w when I get to know somebody, you know, I, that's just like part of, part of who you are. Sometimes it sort of feels like a two parts of two parts of a life. But I think um, it's weird because it's like, in many ways, it's very normal, you know, like, you have a husband and a wife, and typically, some at some point in, in your life, people are both working, and that just is normal. But I think 
because of what those two normals are, they don't typically like live together, um, which is, I guess, makes it makes it unique. But um, I think it's nice because it's also a sense of normalcy through all of this. Like it really is like this is my job. This is his job. It's sort of on the surface looks uh, maybe like a has a little extra sparkle on it but it, it's a job just like anybody else and um you know it's important for me to have my passions and what like like continue to be an individual and who I am as it's just as important for him to continue to do what he loves and what he's really good at and sort of how we support each other through through all of that is has been um been really fun and um I think helps you grow as like individuals within a relationship too um but yeah it's funny when it uh when people say it's a little bit different to me it just sort of seems normal I don't have a full-time job so it's always that way it's never usually the other way so from experience that's what I've experienced but yeah like you saying you're going into work you're not going to say, oh, hi, I'm Annie. My husband plays in the NFL. That's, is that your job title? There was a point in the beginning I was super proud, and I, I'm still always proud of him, obviously. Wanted to tell everybody, and then I wanted to hide it, and I didn't want anybody to know because I didn't want them to be like, oh, cool. Like, how is he doing? What's he up to? And now I'm just like, okay, yeah. he play, If you talk about it, like I'll say, oh, he's it, like in the NFL, or I'll say he works with the NFL or something. And then, oh, what's he do? So if they like really keep pressing like through three layers of it, I'll be like, okay, I get it. But I also am so on top of Chad where let's say we have a friend, his name is Justin. I'm just going to call him Justin. And he has a girlfriend. He's like, oh, Justin's girlfriend. I'm like, you know, her name is Kate. Say Kate. I know who Kate is. I'll go to that extent because I'm like, call the women by their names because I've had it where people have actually passed me over in a handshake. They introduced themselves to my boyfriend. They skipped over me and the other wife and shook that guy's hand and came back to us. And I told, told Chad, did you see that? He said, no, what? He, over his head. But the other wife was like, yeah, that happens. Like, it's, it's weird, but it happens. And I'm like, I don't like that. And at the end of the, the session, we were taking uh, golf lessons. He respected me because I got a good swing. You know, I'm an athlete too. So I'm like, yeah, take that. But just stuff like that is something I'm hyper aware of now in the position that he's in and the position that I'm in. I'm just, I may be a little bit more on him than if I were to have my own uh, office to walk into. So I'll give you a break, Chad. So how are you able to, how are you still able to manage both of these lives like this nfl life which is all consuming it's even though they have a 18 weeks even 18 week season or 17 week season it's all year you know the traveling is all year going to different places to work out and train how are you able to manage both of those things both of those worlds and still stay sane and have time to to come on and have me interview you on a podcast i think it just takes a lot of teamwork and it takes a lot of communication um, and we talk a lot about like, it's a two way street, it's a give and take, like when it's in season, it's a lot more like, give from my side when it's off season, it's a lot more give from his side in terms of like the time that he has. Um, but I think it's just sort of, you, you make it work, like you find a way. Um, there's a lot of 
like a relationship, like a life brought to you by like Delta Airlines, you know, um, frequent flyer miles, baby. I'm just kidding, but not really. Um, you just, you know, like there, I mean, when he went, he stayed at Duke for his fifth year, it was a lot of, you know, red eye flights on Friday nights straight to a game to fly back, um, back home for, for work. It's a lot of, um, you know, sacrifice from his side on, um, you know, just being in Portland and he's found a really great training uh, place now, but at the beginning it was sort of a lot of unknowns. Um, Staying at Duke could have been a really good option, but he came to Portland and to be um, with me in the off season. And so that takes sacrifice. So I think it's just, um, it's sacrifice and it's just communicating through it all and making sure that both people are okay with, with everything as you, as you move through the different phases of, of life. But, um, it's, I'm not going to stay here and say it's, it's easy. It's definitely tough. Um, but I think, um, it's, we've made, we've managed to make it work. And this last season, I know, has been a little bit different because you said you've been working remote the last, you, you said two, or how long has it even been since COVID started? Like 18 months. We're, we're, so in 2020, somebody told me this the other day, in 2022, we're going to go on our third year of like being in this remote world, third calendar year. I keep saying, I mean, they said two weeks. Remember when they said two weeks? <laughs> Remember when it was over by Easter? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just thinking about that now, it honestly feels like yesterday. That's how quick this whole thing has gone by and like how used to being at home I've been and not doing a lot of stuff. So with this past season, you doing stuff remote, how has your guys' living situation looked? Have you been there in Green Bay for the most part? Yep. So we got married in July of 2020. And then 10 days later, we drove to Green Bay and we, um, yeah, we've been, we were in Green Bay all season. And then we came back to Oregon in the end of January last year when about a few weeks after they were done with their last game. And then we were in Oregon, um, for this off season, um, And then they had like those few weeks where they had to be back in Green Bay, but he was like there and then would come back on the weekends. And then um, we went back, well, he flew back to Green Bay like a week before. And then my dad and I drove our dog um, a week later to Green Bay and I've been there um, and our dog is there and we'll be there through this fall. And I've just come back to Oregon to, to, have a little time with my dad but um I'll be there through the fall so yeah we have a a place that we rent in in Green Bay so we have the last few years we've been able to leave some of our stuff there in the off season um so we've been in the same place for a little while oh thank goodness you've been able to keep your stuff somewhere especially because you've been there so long because I I would assume after the first couple years you're like okay we're gonna be here we might as well have some type of stability where you're either not renting furniture or doing a monthly or like a daily thing and especially with the dog I know it's so difficult to find 
housing that accepts animals. I have a cat, but still difficult with a cat. I only imagine a dog's even harder. Yeah. His So his first year, he lived in a house with three other guys. Um, the three other guys were drafted and he moved into like the basement of this house, which I mean, he would say this, like this house was nasty and he would admit that it was nasty. I mean, it's three guys out of college living in this house together. Um, yeah. And he got the basement of basement room that wasn't really a room and like had cobwebs in the corner. And I, you know, was there was a mattress on the floor for a little while. And then we sort of he was a few weeks into the season and was like, okay, I'll probably stay here for the season. Let's like get box springs and like a frame for the bed, pick it up off the floor. Um, And then his next year, he um, so then we put all that stuff. I'm trying to think we must have put all that stuff in storage can't remember what we did in the off season there and then got an apartment. He and one of um, his teammates, um, Justin McRae, who was there at the time, got an apartment together um, again, which is kind of a sketchy spot. But um, they did a second year there. And then their third year, um, the two of them actually found a duplex. So like he was on one side and Justin was on the other side, which was pretty fun. Um, there was some Morris code through the walls happening like, Hey, you hungry and knock, knock, knock. Um, so they live there. And then we've just, um, Justin got traded, um, to the Browns after that year. And then we've just stayed on that side of a duplex, which has been, um, so great the, um, to be able to like leave some stuff there, leave our winter stuff there, have a place to come back to. Um, and luckily housing in Green Bay is pretty affordable, um, that to be able to just pay for it in the off season and it's worth the headache of having to move everything around. So that, that's another good positive of being in Green Bay. And that's something that you don't think about, like how much is it worth to pay for it during the off season, but have your stuff so there's no storage unit, you can keep whatever you want there, having to find a place last minute. We are just realizing that hey, we think it's cheaper to maybe stay at our parents for a month and then go find a place. But then you end up paying last minute, like, a, I'm not gonna say how much, but a lot of money in California to rent a place for just a month because your your back is against the wall. You're like, I have to be here. So like, we definitely learned that firsthand that, hey, it might be better to, to find a rental property for a couple months and just, you know, stay there, not move our stuff because I'm a professional packer, but I, I don't like to move seven times a year, which is what yeah. we've been working with. Yeah, you get really good at packing. I feel like every year I have been prepared to move and I've thought through like, how are we going to do this? Okay, like this is the speed dial to the pods number and like they can come and then I'll get movers to put everything in and these are the things we'd keep and these are the things we get rid of. It's just like you subconsciously start thinking about what are the real necessities or like what would you do if um, you know, one day you get traded or you get cut or whatever it is, I think. Um, yeah, it's just like, that's your reality. You're just kind of used to having to pick up and move. And that's what's been nice about also then finally, 
um, having a house in Oregon, which we bought, like, this is our home base, like, this is where our mail comes to, like, this is where our important documents come to, and sort of um, having that place, if anything should happen, like, this is, this is home base, which is really nice to have, for sure. Everything you're saying about the packing and organizing and thinking of this stuff, I we are the same person. I'm like up at night creating like a checklist of like, okay, this is what I'm going to write down. This is how I'm going to organize the boxes. I have collapsible boxes. So if we stay at a place longer than like a month, I'll fold them down, store them. If we need to put them back, I have a list of everything that belongs in there. Perfect. Yep. I know exactly what's going on. Yep. And what is like the things that you really care about in this place that you would like pay to store versus just, you know, hitting up a teammate and be like, hey, do you want this table or whatever it is? You know, they would have to. And, and the funny, I guess, weird thing is I've thought all of this through, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, we've just sort of been in Green Bay this this whole time. So every year it's been, Lucas always said, it's like a healthy fear for your job. Like, you know, it can change on a dime. And so you just kind of have to be ready. And I'd rather like prepare for it in my mind and, you know, when, and if that happens, be ready. So I clearly see why you have the job that you have. You prepare (laughs) for all possible scenarios, like A, B, C, D, all the way down to Z. I know what I'm going to do. That's the way to do it. I think, especially in the league. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have several. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, too it's like it's my job a little bit too to like hopefully make his job and the stressful part of his job less stressful you know I don't want him to have to worry about like if that happens when that happens like what's gonna happen to the pillows like not that he I I don't think he really care but you know like you know just how can how can you make it easy so that he can go and like perform perform at his best that's a true partnership especially <laughs> in this like try and make their life a little less stressful there's always going to be stress but how can I maybe pack the pillow so that he knows he'll have his body pillow to come back to stuff like that I, I get the pillow thing I really do <laughs> Do you usually drive because you have a dog or do you fly sometimes um well typically we've flown in the past we've normally driven out in the summer months so you get a car out there and shipped it back because he drove once back in the new year and when you drive north in february he didn't have any issues or anything but there were definitely some dicey spots and i just don't feel like it's worth hitting a sheet of black ice in the middle of nowhere montana just ship the car fly um but we got our we got our little we got a puppy last year in covid which i feel like that's what everybody did in covid or like you know had some sort of big life changing event in covid so ours was a dog um he was still a puppy um when the time came for us to fly back last year but that's why i had to drive um drive him out cuz he's a he's a big fluffer so he, I didn't want to put him under the plane or anything like that. So we drove out last year and I'm not quite sure what we'll do this year. Yeah. You want to be with your buddy. Like when you're, you're moving like that and traveling somewhere, you're like, okay, this is my buddy when I'm there. Like, this is the thing that I talk to who loves yeah. me and who's waiting for me to come back home. Yes. Yeah. He's a very loyal dog. He sort of follows me from room to room. <laughs> His major separation anxiety, which I'm starting to learn after kind of being here for about like 10 days, I, I make fun of my dog for having separation anxiety. And I'm now sort of learning, like, 
maybe I'm the one that has separation anxiety. Maybe I rely too heavily on my dog uh, over these last several months. Um, maybe I need to sort of look at myself too um, and figure out sort of uh, if I have a problem or not. How long is that drive from Oregon to Green Bay? Um, like 35 hours. It's about two, three days. So this summer we drove, our first day we went from Oregon to Bozeman, Montana, which is the longest day. That's like 12 or 13 hours. And then our second day we do Bozeman to Fargo, North Dakota. And that's about 10, 11 hours. And then the last day is from Fargo to Green Bay, which is like, uh, like eight, seven or eight hours. So it gets shorter as you go. You plan it out like that. So like the the more you're into it, like further into the trip and you're over it, you're like, how many hours? Oh, not 13, 11 hours. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like we kind of planned it just to do like cities that have good hotels. I mean, this time we I had to find hotels along the way that took dogs. Previously, when Lucas and I have done the drive, it's just, oh, you just drive till you can't drive anymore. What's the next city? Oh, Cheyenne. Okay, great. Let's just find someplace to stay there. Um, but with a dog, you have to like make sure there's hotels in the little town that take dogs and um, all of that stuff. So this time I've planned, I actually planned it out a little bit more than when Lucas and I have done it in the past. We just sort of like draw it. Like one, one time we did like 16 hours in the first day. This time we kind of managed it a little bit more. Um, also because a dog for 16 hours in a car, I just don't think that would be very pleasant for the dog. So he, uh, well, he's like big now too. He's like 65 pounds. So um and it's like hot driving in the car. And anyways, he he did really well. I was very surprised. I was fully ready for him to be whining for three days, but he he did he did great. Do you guys stop at places where you can see something cool, or do you just the the objective is to get to the state? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I had a lot of people like send me sort of, hey, here's what you could do in like Bismarck or Fargo. And I'm just like, mm, just drive, just drive, keep going, try to beat your like Apple CarPlay projected time. Yeah, I'm not really a stopper. We stopped a little bit more, I feel like this time just so that the dog could get out and walk around and um, stretch his legs. Yeah, we did it once coming west. Um, and we came down and stayed in Jackson Hole for a few days and split up the drive, which was really fun. Um, but that was like the only time um, that and when we one time we stopped in Coeur d'Alene because one of my um, best friends was doing like a half Ironman race. So we kind of timed it and got through there and watched her do our race and then came came home but besides yeah normally it's just straight through do you enjoy driving because you get to see a lot of the country you get to see things that you never would have been able to see on like an hour whatever drive yeah I feel like I have gotten better at the driving I enjoy it more um we're really blessed to be able to go through some of the more beautiful parts of the country like the west and montana and idaho like that middle day when you go from 
like Bozeman, Montana through like North Dakota. It is so beautiful driving through that part of the country and there's nobody on the road and you listen to some good music or a podcast or an audio book and time just flies. The speed limit is also 80 miles an hour, posted 80 miles an hour, so you can really fly. I've really enjoyed um, doing some of those drives and I think it's also like really good quality time with the person that you're driving with too, um, which has been really fun and spending that time with my dad was really fun. Um, so I have, yeah, I've definitely started to enjoy it more. The first time I did it was brutal, but you just sort of mentally prepare yourself, got the good snacks, find like the caffeine drinks that work for you and, um, prepare your, your, uh, your audio sessions, whatever it may look like. Um, yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm glad that you say that you enjoy it and you like seeing stuff and it's beautiful because I feel the same way. I'm like, when am I going to be able to drive from here to Houston again? I'm not going to want to do that drive. And now I know there's really nothing there. So if (laughs) I get pulled over, like there is like 300 mile stretches between gas stations in Texas. I was like, this is crazy. I didn't see anybody. I went through the south of New Mexico. Absolutely nothing. Completely flat. All desert. I can say that because I know it. I've driven it. But being able to say that you did that stuff and see it for your own eyes. Yeah, I did that. Not anywhere I want to go back to or I definitely want to go back to that. But it's it's an experience that not a lot of people, I think, get the opportunity to do. 100%. And you realize like how vast our country is and especially driving through like the Northwest and through Montana and stuff. Every time I'm just amazed that people did that in covered wagons. Like it just blows my mind that people packed their whole families up in these wagons and just moved West. It was, it's just wild. I did want to ask you to start of like wind down into the end of the podcast. So are you a fall girl. Do you prepare for fall? Are you all about the pumpkin everything? Do you decorate at your house when you guys are in Green Bay? Or do you kind of just say, eh, it's, we're only here for a certain amount of time. I'm just going to like kind of, kind of feel it out as I go. If I were let to just go, yes, a hundred percent. But I have tried to be really restrained about buying decorative things for the house anyways Lucas is like don't we don't need these things like we could be gone tomorrow like we're not gonna you know do that we have bought a fake Christmas tree and we sort of buy one ornament a year and sort of fill that in so I have like a few things but we of course being in Green Bay we live down the road from a pumpkin farm I'll go buy pumpkins um for the front porch and we've done like pumpkin carving stuff with some other families um in past years which is fun so I'm like restrained about my fall decor life I do like the changing weathers I think midwest falls are the absolute best the way that I think like pacific northwest summers are the best 75 no humidity like 50 degrees and sunny in the Midwest is amazing for the winters. And then it quickly takes a turn. Um, Normally we get like our first snow on or around Halloween. So that changes pretty quickly. Not a big, okay. I feel like 
people might cancel me if I say this, but I'm not a big pumpkin spice latte gal. It's just too sweet for me and not really a pumpkin flavored gal, although I do like a good pumpkin bread. So that's probably kind of my one fall pumpkin indulgence. So are you a lights on or lights off kind of kind of person on Halloween? We live in a neighborhood with a ton of little kids. Um, so if we're there, normally lights on. Last year we did just because of COVID and I was so paranoid that like I was going to be the one to get COVID and like give it to Lucas and give it to the team and, you know, be the weak link. So we put our candy bin outside. Lucas is very passionate and feels very strongly about we need to be the house with the king size candy bars. We have to have king size candy bars. We can't do like the little candy. So we go to Costco and we buy the king size candy bar packs, just slowly bribing the affection of young children in our neighborhood. Um, but usually their parents are with them and so they don't let them take more than one. So then we have like hundreds of full size candy bars that last us till July of the next year. And then like, we need just, we need to move on and get rid of them. So that's kind of how we, it kind of depends on how we've approached it in the past, but king size candy bars is a, is a strong position that we tend to take in our household. I do want to ask one more question. If you had any advice for a rookie wife or girlfriend just getting into the league, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, I just put myself back in those shoes and I had like, oh my gosh, I had no idea what was happening. I mean, my first game that I ever went to, like we didn't know that there was like a parking lot where we could park. So I like parked at a gas station, like three miles away and like walked to the game. I didn't know where my seats were. Like I had no idea what was happening. I listened to um, Andrea Braden's podcast too. And she said that she didn't know about cut weekend. I had no about no idea about cut weekend. I didn't know it was like a thing. I had no idea what the process was like. I, I think my biggest piece of advice and Lucas and I talk about this too, and I think it's the same for players, but like try not to ride the highs and the lows because there are going to be highs and there are going to be lows. And I think the most stressful thing about it is when you go up and when you go down and when you go up and when you go down and it can change by the day sometimes. And so, you know, it's never as great as it seems. And it's never as bad as it seems like you're always going to get through it. Um, And just remember that, you know, this is such a small, short time in your lives, and to enjoy it. um, But to know that it's not going to last, not going to last forever. So when there are hard times, like, hey, it's just it's just for a period of time, and do everything you can to soak it all in. And when you have the opportunity, like, Take the time to meet women and the families that are around you because there are some pretty incredible stories and incredible people um, that are going through this journey with you. And you're never as alone as it might feel. Sometimes it will feel very lonely, but you're never you're never as alone as you feel. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of putting yourself out there, which I'm terrible at doing. Yeah, it's it's a fun, it's a fun ride and and soak it all in and I think the the last piece of advice is just like make sure you 
are always communicating with your partner, like how you're feeling. Make sure you're a place that they can communicate all of their stresses and pressures that they're going through. Um, you really are a team first and foremost through this through this crazy ride. And um, I think if you you have each other and you're able to communicate through it all, everything will work out in the end. It always does, um, even if it's not sort of the plan that you have initially set out in your in your head or that other people are telling you it should be I think that happens a lot too like people tell you this is how it's going to go it not rarely ever goes that way either good or bad yeah like I totally agree with that it's hard to not ride the highs and the lows but yeah for your sanity and for both of your sanities like that's something that's really hard to focus on I do actually I forgot to ask you before this how your overall experience has been in the league I think it's been incredible. I mean, I think it's opened my eyes to just this whole world and it's more than I ever could have expected. I mean, I had no experience or exposure like to this world whatsoever before. And I I think there's like a certain perception of what this life and as part of the NFL is like. And it's, I feel like it's oftentimes like a very manufactured, over-exaggerated version of what it really is. It really is like a lot of really normal people, just like you and me, who the job is just like very different and it's very public trying. I think that's where like finding people who are also going through this has helped, but it's been incredible. We've had so much fun and we've met people that we'll, we'll be friends with for the rest of our lives. We'll have experiences and stories to, to tell our kids for, for years to come. I try to keep all of the game day brochures and all of that type of stuff for one day to be able to, to show kids and grandkids. But it's, yeah, it's been incredible. So blessed. Like every weekend, Every weekend is such a blessing and I still sort of get teary eyed when I watch him run out onto the field, knowing everything he's been through and that we've been through to get to this point, like mind blowing sometimes that we're, that we're still here. So it's, it's a crazy ride, but it's one that you're going to remember forever. And the pictures, when you take the pictures, (laughs) you're going to be able to look at those forever too. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. I save his game day photos more than I feel like I think about taking photos of us. It's something else. It really is. It's weird in some ways and odd, but like very normal in some ways too. So it's always hard to describe. All right. So thank you for coming on with me, Annie, and sharing all about your life, what you do, how you want to inspire women to be their own person also, and how you're just managing and killing it uh, as a significant other in the NFL. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to episode 13 of the NF Ladies podcast with guest Annie Patrick. My intro and outro music called Not Ready Yet is written, produced, and sung by my friend Kira Grove. Again, my name is Bryce Watts, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.